to episode 26 of Cinebabble. I am your host, Ken, and as always, this is my intrepid co-host, Clint Jones. Clint, how's your week been treating you? Oh, it's been okay, Ken. Um, it's it's coming to an end, Ken. I hear you're going back to work. Yep. This is a true story? Yep, Are I you am. excited, dreading it? Are you... I'm dreading it. Oh, I'm, I'm dreading it. Just the change, really. I think I'll be okay once I'm back into that flow, yeah. but... I think I'll be fine. Now, do you think they're just going to shut right back down? I think so. Go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I see this happening again in a couple months. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, How have you been doing? I'm okay. I was crazy busy. I I legitimately missed recording last week. It was it was very sad to me, and just days kept getting away from me. Um, And I heard you. you Did you hear my twenty five point five episode? I did not hear twenty five point five. Side note. Uh, somebody stole my identity last week and there were a lot of charges on my credit card for like conductive cables <laughs> and uh, batteries and it was a very strange uh, assortment of items that huh. I, I just couldn't wrap my head around uh, why somebody would need those things. Well, but, I don't uh, have that information so you can't look at me <laughs> I think I no. did it. So you might want to look towards, I don't know, some kind of Android or something. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Some emergent AI yeah. who's just desperate for... Uh, all the supplies needed to uh, Superman 3 his way out of uh, computer confinement. Yeah. But, I mean, it couldn't be that because you trust <laughs> I t- our I totally AI trust completely. But, no, I did, I did listen to the episode, and uh, Clint did not tell me that he was making this thing. And he just sent me a text that said, hey, I, I loaded uh, an episode I did. You, you should check it out. <laughs> and my wife and I laughed like maniacs throughout it uh, just listening to Virtual Ken uh, spout off random things that most of which I didn't even remember saying. Yeah. I was trying to pinpoint like what, where did that come from? <laughs> it was so great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I don't know if anyone else did, but no, I'm I, glad you did. I, honestly, I don't care. I, yeah. not, I'm sorry if I don't care about you, but I seriously don't care about you because <laughs> it absolutely made my week. It was mainly to amuse you <laughs> while great. you were a busy little boy it doing your deeds. Yeah, I'm still a busy little boy, but uh, carving out some time Yeah, because I didn't like missing. So anyway, uh, what you been watching about this week, Clint? Ken, um, while I have a couple things I've been watching, um, well, I've been watching a bunch of stuff, but I've narrowed it down. So the first thing, this is the first thing. This is the first thing. Clint <laughs> always comes to these podcasts drunk yeah. every time, and I got to sober him up, and I just didn't have enough time this week. I have week. a very low tolerance, so Aquafina <laughs> is doing it this week. Uh, so I've been wa- well, I watched the first episode of this new show on HBO that just started. It's called I Know This Much Is True. Oh, I Mark saw Ruffalo. the trailer for that. Yeah. How was it? It was really, really good. Okay. Um, it's so heavy. Mm. Um, it's directed by Derek uh, Sion France, who mm. did Beyond the Pines, Place Beyond the Pines, yeah. and uh, Blue Valentine. That had um, Both of those had Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Okay. Um, I which I didn't realize going into it, and then I was like, "This feels familiar." Just the stylistic choices, and um, the tone of it. Just it, it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you could say he definitely has a tone. It's just there was something about it that felt familiar, and I went in just because of Mark Ruffalo because mm-hmm. I, I love him. And it's about him, and he plays two twin brothers, and his um, one character is Dominic, and the other is Thomas. And Thomas is a paranoid schizophrenic, mm-hmm. and so it's just about their relationship and the trials of their mm-hmm. of him dealing with his um, illness and his mental illness and just their relationship. And it's it's really dark, but it's there. This the, he does such interesting. Well, it's based on a book by mm-hmm. the same name, and. I'm sure they're pulling a lot from that, but just there's some interesting just things they're dealing with in like scenarios. And like, I don't want to give anything away with it because I was Mm -hmm. totally surprised. Like it's super heavy, but I was so engaged by it. Everyone's really good in it. Um, Check it out. Yeah. um, Juliette Lewis is in it and Catherine Hahn. And uh, I highly recommend it. I like it. You're not going to like this is maybe not a great time to watch it, Mm -hmm. but maybe it is like I've been watching Mm -hmm. a lot of like just very human stories the past couple weeks. And uh, I don't know if it's just because like so disconnected from the world. It's just like to tap into these personal stories has been fun. We've talked about it before, but HBO just consistently turns out uh, really good series. Yeah. it just they always seem to hit even the ones that don't work for me it's not a quality issue it's mm-hmm. just you know something's not clicking but uh, i just i'm i'm i remain impressed did now did you finish westworld this past week i, did, I yeah. haven't watched the finale okay yet. yeah i did okay 
Um, Were you satisfied, dissatisfied? Did you come up from that episode that you didn't enjoy? I did come up. The, I liked the pre the episode after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember how many episodes were left after that. I was just surprised that it was ending this soon because it's Me only too. eight episodes. Yeah. I thought they did more usually. That was my biggest, I think, complaint going like coming away from it is that I would. It felt like there should have been at least three or four more episodes. It just felt so sudden and like mm-hmm. a lot of the storyline just felt so compact and like there wasn't any teeth to them or tooth. It was, was just, it was it something that was cut short when kind of pandemic was hitting and things were starting to close down? It, it I seems like they would have been so. done before. I that. think they were done. I don't okay. know if their budget was cut because there's things in the show where it feels like it's the biggest thing they've done, and other things were like. Man, they're they're cut on the budget or something. Mm. Like it just felt very limited in some things, like crowd scenes and certain things, or they're they're saving their budget for just moments where like they know they have to really flush out these big epic portions of the script. But I came away, I was slightly disappointed, and I honestly don't know where the show goes. Okay. Like it does set up things, but it's just like I felt like they could have just ended the show. Mm. Like and they have a six season arc and it was like this is season three and i was like i don't know if i am invested anymore Mm -hmm. but we'll see what happens but i don't want to talk about it too much because you haven't seen it okay we'll Um, talk about it next week yes i plan to finish it yeah maybe we can go a little more in depth into it sounds good um but yeah um i know this much is true is really good i i recommend it it's dark but so the next thing I watched, um, completely left turned from that, is this um, comedy special series that's on on Netflix that just came up uh, maybe a week ago called uh, Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With Thomas Middle Ditch and Ben Schwartz, and it's a completely improvised thing. Yeah. They go into they ask a, qu- a question of the crowd, and whoever has the best answer, they'll. Um, They'll like the what was it? The first one was like an event or something, and somebody like said wedding. So then they like talk to that person for like ten minutes and get more details on what they were thinking about, and then they improvise a whole hour show around it. It's like it's the funniest comedy special I've seen in forever. I love both those guys, and their sensibility together is really fun. And you can't I can't believe it's just fun watching, like it just unfold in how it starts out so small and like they just they're so good at just recalling things and um it's in this these times it was like the perfect like bit of medicine just mm-hmm. like i blew there was three episodes and jenny and i watched it it was it was really delightful now did you watch the parks and rec episode that they aired last yeah week? i did yeah. yeah did you enjoy uh for the most part yeah, yeah. i feel like it's something that's going to be just completely dated and by the end of the year. <laughs> it was nice in yeah. the moment, but right. yeah, I would have no point did I think this somehow enhances the rest of the series right. or it was nice visiting those characters for a yeah. moment. But and just watching the actors have yeah. fun with those characters again. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you just want some giggles, like put this on. Um maybe you're not really into improv improvis- improvisation. When it's good, I They're am. when fantastic. somebody's very good at it, I'm fine with it. It can get very obnoxious. Yeah. When you just feel like people are dragging things through, but man, when you can really get a good rhythm going. Well, the good thing about this is it's completely flushed out stories. It's yeah. not them just like I don't know, just being goofy. I mean, they're definitely being funny, but they really like tell a story within that hour long thing. And they weave through whatever the person had like given to them as the seed for the whole thing. And it's amazing what they did with it. And uh, uh, yeah, it's great. Okay. uh, What have you been watching about? I the only thing I've really gotten to other than what we're talking about tonight is the last season of the Clone Wars Mm. animated series, uh, which I was... (sighs) It was okay. Yeah. For the first eight episodes. It's 12 episodes. Uh-huh. First first eight episodes were solid. And I just, you know, I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the animation. It, it felt small, though, huh. for it being billed as this giant last season kind of thing that they were finally coming back knowing. The first eight episodes, I'm just kind of like, it's two stories, four episodes each. And uh-huh. it just didn't feel big and grand and impactful. The last four episodes, though run parallel to episode three, Star Wars episode three. Okay. The film. And they Not the stepped movie? up. Yes, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a film. It's a movie. 
Uh, but uh, it, they really stepped up the game. And I've always enjoyed the Clone Wars animated series uh-huh. so much more than the prequel movies. Uh, but the last four episodes in particular were just fantastic. Hmm. It felt like they brought in a high-level cinematographer that was the animation director. Okay. Because even the shots and the things they were doing were so much more cinematic hmm. than anything that, that that show has done. But they were actually doing uh, some pretty legitimately dramatic and uh, uh, really intense stuff hmm. running parallel to Anakin's fall. And I just, I, I ate it up. The last four episodes feel like a Star Wars movie. It's probably one of the better Star Wars movies. Huh. Um, How many seasons of that? That was the seventh season. Okay. And uh, they said there's no more seasons, but by the end of it, it feels like they could very easily do an entire animated series of Vader hunting surviving Jedi. And hmm. just uh, what's going on around that with Vader is is kind of the main bad guy. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just it was really good. I enjoyed it a whole lot, and uh, at least by the end, I definitely recommend that series to anybody that loves Star Wars but really felt let down by the prequels. Yeah. Um, after you get past season one, the Clone Wars series really redeems it, and this was this was a great little send off mm-hmm. uh, that was not meant to be. Episode, or season six was supposed to be the send off, and it was okay. It did well, but it just always felt like it didn't quite tie into the prequel films. Mm-hmm. Did um, the last four episodes make you appreciate the first four anymore after seeing them? Or are you still, no, no, no. You I know, mean, are they, they're completely different stories, or yes, it's okay. it's three stories, so it's oh, okay. basically three four episode arcs. The first one is about some clones just mm-hmm. going on a mission. The second one is about uh, Ahsoka kind of off on her own, uh, coming back towards the Jedi Order through a, a series of mishaps and then that third arc is actually her back she's not back to being a jedi but but she's back and and she's running something for the republic while all the things in star wars episode three are happening okay um so you could you could completely skip the first eight episodes and miss nothing you could just watch those last four as a movie huh and uh really enjoy what's happening there. I, yeah. I thought it was really good. And one of the things I've always appreciated appreciate about the Clone Wars series is they don't care if they go dark. Mm. It doesn't have to be satisfying for the kiddies. Yeah. Uh, this this little four-episode arc, the, even the last episode was called Victory and Death. And they're real serious. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, sh- you know, obviously our main characters are going to win, but a very small battle in the midst of something that's really awful. Right, right. And they didn't shy away from that darkness, mm. which I appreciate. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so maybe I'll check it out. Hey, you haven't seen any of the series? I don't think so. Oh, wow. Maybe I saw like the first season. I don't, I don't it remember. really hit its stride in season three and four. Mm. They bring back Darth Maul, which sounds like it would be the most ridiculous, plot twisty, cliched uh, thing. But they bring him back as he basically... Uh, had survived, you know, being cut in half and scrapped together in this underground place. He scrapped together kind of mechanical legs and stuff from parts mm-hmm. and slowly went mad. Huh. And it's really Isn't that in one of the movies dark. that he pops mm-hmm. up? Which movie is that? That's uh, Solo. Oh, okay. That's right. But when they first discover him in the animated series, he's this hermit that's gone crazy and he wasn't able to build humanoid legs. He's this spider, mm. essentially, with these mechanical spider legs. And, uh, man, they just, I don't know, they do some really creepy stuff that if I was 8, 9, or 10 when I saw it, yeah. I would have had nightmares for weeks. Is there a different, another Star Wars animated series, too? Or? There is Rebels, which takes place in between uh, episode 3 and 4. Uh-huh. And then there is, oh, I forget the other one, Resistance, which takes place in uh, in between episode 7 and 8, okay. I believe. So, so yeah, I, I saw the first season of Clone Wars. That's the one I was first thinking of. First season of Clone Wars is kind of kiddish. Yeah. it's It's got some good stuff in it, but uh, it takes it a while to, to grow up. Isn't there... What's Samuel, ja- Samuel L. Jackson's character's name? Mace Windu. Isn't there a really good episode with him, like fighting like a bunch of big... That's actually the old hand-drawn... Uh, uh, what's his name? He did Primal and uh, Samurai Jack. Oh, that's what that is? Yeah. Yeah. That one, it's really hard to find. It's only on DVD, if you can even find it on DVD. But it still holds up. Those are great. Well, you just jogged my memory on something that I'm going to mention really quickly. Okay. I, I'm i going to step back into the What You Watching for mm-hmm. a second, but I just watched Primal. Oh, I love Primal. 
Prime. It was so amazing. Yeah, I just watched it a couple of weeks ago. I forgot to bring it up, actually. Yeah. It's great. I just watched it last week. It was so good. I instantly wanted more episodes, and they are making more. That's good. Uh, But yeah, I I loved everything about it. Yeah. Uh, Just like this (laughs) amazing silent film, uh, prehistoric. Oh, so good. Just the things they do with it. I love that they don't like... They go wild with it. It's not sticking straight to like... Not that it's historic in any way, or like, no. but it's just the fun things that they decided to do with it. Is really I fun. love the three arcs that they did. The first one with uh, kind of him in being introduced to this dinosaur, yeah. and and them kind of their weird bond. The second one being like the elephant graveyard, and mm-hmm. then the third one uh, with the weird bat creatures. Mm-hmm. I just uh, they found ways to do so many different things. With yeah, all of it. yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, you watching anything else? I don't think so, Ken. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so tonight we're going to cover three films. We're going to cover Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. We're going to cover Yesterday. And then our Cinetron pick from two weeks ago, Tammy and the T-Rex, mm-hmm. which is a little 1994 sci-fi. I don't even know what I want to put there. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, but let's start with uh, Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. Uh, a Hidden Life is definitely one of the most Terrence Malicky of Terrence Malick flicks that I've seen. It's about an Austrian farmer named Franz who faces the threat of execution for refusing to fight for the Nazis during World War II. Clint, what did you think of A Hidden Life? I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I'm a, I really love Terrence Malick films, so um, it was really fun going into where he's working a little bit more narratively. Mm-hmm. There's more of a structure rather than just him working without a script and just kind of following whatever instincts he has. Um, so is I just and I love World War II stuff and just him capturing this story in in his giant frame that he like he makes is um was fantastic. I loved just I decided I was trying to nail down what I would like consider Terrence Malick and I consider him an impressionistic filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Like an impressionistic painter. So he's like capturing these just little fragments of life to paint just like these big stories and try, try to capture some sense of the person that he's like telling a story about. And I think this was, it was just nice seeing him go back to the narrative and just do that. And it's it just these fragments of these people's lives told through this story is just, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, this, this joins kind of my... Uh, in in my top three of his films. Really? Uh, I really enjoyed it. And it, it goes along with The New World for me uh-huh. and Tree of Life. Mm. And I just, one of the common threads there is that they are more narratively driven. And there's there's more of a, a sense of story there. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I felt like he was he was creating this, just like you said, this painting. And he's, he's dealing with imageries, imageries that relate to characters in a way that uh, enhances in both directions. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with the characters enhances uh, what he's doing visually and what he's doing visually enhances what's happening with the characters. And I always appreciate that. But yeah. I really felt like he had a, a good handle on it in this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my only problem was the timing that I was watching it. That was, <laughs> I I was exhausted. Really? Yeah. Uh, just utterly exhausted last week. And so I'm watching it and I was having a very difficult time staying awake. Mm. And it has nothing to do with the film. It's just, it's very Terrence Malick. Yeah. And, and it's three one hours of those long. things where it's three hours. He has uh, no interest in, you know, uh, <laughs> engaging in a way that, that will keep somebody who is ready to pass out awake. No. And that's fine. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to. And so it's not a knock at it at all. I just, I really wished I had watched this on a more restful week where I could have taken one sitting and just really yeah. absorbed it. At the same time, I, I don't feel like it really hurt it that much, kind of ducking out of it in the middle and coming back. Um, because it's just, it's so cohesive and it's so strong. Stepping away for a little bit didn't bother me at all. Yeah. I, I sat through it all in one sitting. Mm-hmm. I did it one morning, and uh, I I was so just engaged mm-hmm. by just the framing of things and just the scope of it, just the beautiful setting and these, like, kind of Austrian mountain hills yeah. and um, just in his – just the subtle way that he 
tells his story and like paints a picture of these um, relationships. And I loved how he was interacting with the people in the town and like that, how there was tension and they're just not understanding why he's doing this and he thinks he's better than them. There's so many, there's some, how little dialogue there is in it. There's moments of dialogue and interaction in the interactions that he has with other people that are so beautiful and like sum up what is um, happening perfectly within like a, a sentence. I really appreciate how, common everything felt mm -hmm. because it's it's not like you're privy to some grand story here that's been lost in time but it's it's this giant heroic it's just it's, it's a, just this yeah. very small story of a man trying to stay true to his convictions mm -hmm. and the difficulty that comes along with that and he's not someone that would stand out in a history book he's not somebody that would kind of come to life in a, in a tale where you'd be like oh this is something that has to be made into a movie it's just a regular guy trying to be a decent human being. Yeah, doing what, following his conscience and yeah. doing what he thinks right is right for himself. Yeah. And even there's a that moment in where he's um, kind of on trial for this thing, but for in front of the the Nazi generals and stuff. And the one general takes him aside, like into his chamber, and is is asking him, like, do you think I'm a bad person or like, do you think you're better than me? But it was in a way like not a judgmental, like you think you're better than me. It's like, honestly, are you asking? Yeah. And it, and, uh, it was such a powerful scene where he's just really kind of curious. And it's like, yeah. cause he's trying to judge, like determine the fate of this man. And he's like, trying to get into the mind of him. And it was yeah. really fascinating. Are you being morally pretentious? Right. Or are you just legitimately unsettled yeah. here? Right. Yeah. And like, do you judge me for this? Yeah. And like, um, it was, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I had a thought and totally left. Yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> and the other thing I appreciated was just the simplicity of things. Mm -hmm. I know Malik gets a lot of flack. Uh, a lot's probably a strong term, but people who don't like Terrence Malick films feel as if he's being pretentious, feel mm -hmm. as if he's dabbling just to dabble or or dwelling on images just to dwell on images and if you can dismiss that thought and really take it on its own terms and watch what he's doing and just assume that he's doing something more than just trying to be pretentious mm -hmm. you can find all kinds of layers and all kinds of intricacies in what he's doing well that's where i kind of came from with my uh, my whole kind of mm -hmm. theory on the impressionistic way he paints yeah. is that he's like capturing these micro moments where people mm -hmm. are in fields just like kind of walking around or just enjoying each other's company it's just like it's these moments in between the big moments in life that really are what make a life yeah. and i feel like he does that so well and, and you can say like i think you could I guess make the argument that it's kind of pretentious, but it's just like I think there's a method behind the madness that he's doing in it. Well, and there's nothing wrong with your driving priority not being to tell the story, right? Not to tell plot A. Well, he's trying to give um, you a, a picture of this person yeah. and why he did this or what was in his mind. Or well, and films over the years have trained us to look for the A plot and to what's the story, yeah, what's the conflict, what's the drive, and let's get to that and be as efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because that's very antithetical to life because life is not A plot and driving story. No, life is a lot of just getting from point A to point B with all of these little micro points in between. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you have these moments of of some big things happening, but in general, you're just learning how to be a human being, and you're learning how to deal with emotions, and you're learning how to handle situations. And uh, there's something that he taps into with all of his films, I think, uh, that that really reflect that. Mm -hmm. I thought this was a much more accomplished. It's hard to call it a war film, but I think it's a much more accomplished war film than Thin Red Line. Mm -hmm. I feel like he had a better sense of exactly what he wanted from this film. Uh, whereas Thin Red Line, you can feel that it's been cut down from something much larger that was going to be something much different. This doesn't feel that way. This feels like a very cohesive vision that from start to finish, you know, is 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 being driven by a singular vision. Yeah. Well, I think, a I mean, I really love The Thin Red Line. Yeah, I do too. Um, 
I think that's part of his process is the mm-hmm. whole cutting thing. So it's just, I don't know. Um, I think Thin Red Line, I think what it is is he was telling too many stories or too yeah. big of a story. And so I think you can feel that he's having more difficulty doing that cutting. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the final product is wisely cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, you can just, you can feel a sense of, of um, it just doesn't feel like there's things missing. It doesn't feel like... It's following one direction and then it's shifting to It's another. a very simple story. Yeah. So you don't really, and I really like that he didn't really, I don't know, he didn't really have to, um, but he also chose not to try to flush out the whole scope of the war. Like I, I like the use of like um, the um, catalog film yeah. um, element. I think that was really cool because it, yeah. it really filled in the gaps and you got a picture of what it was. And also it worked really well because they the setting. Yeah. They're in this small village. And so they're outside of the main um, action of the war. So you can just kind of like they're hearing things through the grapevine and um, just living their lives and trying and it also played into the the arc of their their mm-hmm. story because they're like trying to decide how much of a role they should play in it yeah. because we're not really involved with it and so that's part of him wrestling with it too yeah mm-hmm. all right well i would i would definitely recommend it yeah um i do think that you need to have some appreciation of of a terrence malick film this is not something hidden life is not a film that's going to convert somebody yeah who already has a kind of their mindset against yeah. his way of filmmaking uh, but if you enjoy Terrence Malick films, I, I think you'll find this really engaging. And it's gorgeous. You yeah. Know, you'll certainly be taken by the visuals and the music and, and just it really. If you're curious about Terrence Malick at all, I'd say start at the beginning. Uh, Watch Badlands yep. and Days of Heaven. Like those are beautiful, amazing. I love Days of Heaven is one of my favorite films. And it kind of eases you into what he's doing because yeah. there's a little bit more of a narrative to those and kind of gives you a sense of how he develops as a director. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, our next film is Yesterday from Danny Boyle. And Yesterday came out, when was that? 2019? Yeah, I guess yeah. it was. And it's about this guy, Jack, who's a struggling singer-songwriter in an English seaside town, and he dreams of fame, uh, but he's kind of given up hope. And after a freak buck bus accident, buck accident would be much funnier. Yeah, I wish he got hit by a buck. (laughs) (laughs) After a freak bus accident, during a mysterious global blackout, Jack wakes up to discover that the Beatles never existed. Uh, which is quite the random thing yeah. to find out that, mm-hmm. oh, hey, I just happened to realize here the Beatles don't exist. Um, so uh, his, you know, tapping into his knowledge of Beatles culture, he goes full plagiarism and performs songs by the greatest band in history to a world that has never heard them, taking full credit for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, conflict will ensue. You know exactly where this movie is going to go. Uh, he's going to have to have a love interest. And, of course, Truth and Lies is going to play a role in, in how this poor man's going to uh, get out of the situation. Clint, what did you think of yesterday? It was okay. I, I don't know. I was, I found myself like kind of enjoying it, yeah. but also at the same time, just completely bothered by it. Really? What yeah. was bothering you? Just the entire premise. I got, I was totally, <laughs> one small thing that was really bugging me the entire time, every time, like multiple times, people would come up to him and, and say how unattractive he is. And it's just like, he's like a movie star. You clearly see like this guy's a movie star and yeah. why you're, it doesn't matter how many times you say this to the audience, we can see this man and he's a very attractive man and you're not going to fool us. And it just kept bothering me. Like this is a movie star and you're telling us he's like yeah. this hideous guy who can't be a rock star. Yeah. There's little things like that. The whole premise is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the alternate reality where only the Beatles don't yeah, exist. Um, I was so upset by like Ed Sheeran in it yeah. because he's like comparing himself to the Beatles the entire time and saying like, oh, I thought I was the best songwriter. And he's just so, uh, <laughs> I get so the annoyed. joke that they're going for, but it, yeah, but I agree he, with you. The man. way he expressed it was so serious. Hmm. Um, there was just little things like I would have rather, um, okay, the idea could be fun as like a just thought pro like experiment, but if you're going to do that, go into, okay, you know, the um, Oasis doesn't exist. Yeah, clearly, because they're completely or almost a ripoff of um, 
the Beatles, but rockified a little bit more. But okay, let's go a little deeper into it and see the path of what they did really um, influence. Ed Sheeran probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. It would have been more fun if they had done something where like he's a um, musician, but he's like a rapper. Yeah. And he's a big rapper because it, like the things that- influ- Music took a completely different turn. Right. Because the things that influenced him were probably influenced by the Beatles. So like he wouldn't probably be doing yeah. whatever you want to call his music. I don't know. It, it felt like they just plucked the Beatles out of it, but mm-hmm. they chose a band that was so influential- and they they didn't really turn things in a direction that that gave the weight of what removing something like that from from history right. and art would do. And even outside of music, there's so many like pop culture like moments in society that's tied to them. And so like the whole thing where he's getting chased down by fans, like it'd be fun to like I don't know how they would do it. Like see like the first they're like oh that's ha- happened to this band rather than the Beatles, like the first band to get. But see, moments like that bother me because what that suggested was it was somehow the lyrics and the music that did that rather than the time in culture and what was happening in the culture and Mm -hmm. what was happening at the time and what what era they're coming out of. They're coming out of that World War II global crisis, and they were just at the right time to be on this upswing of of idolization of rock and roll. and. Uh, that was hard to buy as happening suddenly in modern day, right? As it, if it had well, never happened. That's the whole thing. That. There should like if those things exist, there should have been some other band that this happened to. Yeah. So it would have been fun to see like, oh, this band is the actual like yeah. stepping stone of all these other bands. Um, and which, it would have been really fun if that band was really left field, right? That they just happened to be. It was the, like, and so music was entirely different because it had followed the. It was like of the Kinks band. or something yeah. because they're happening at the exact same time, but yeah. they're slightly different. So it would yeah. have been this weird parallel universe thing yeah. where the Kinks are the biggest band. But I, I thought like, um, it would have been fun if I was trying to think of like, okay, he knows, every, he knows all the Beatles songs, and. If he knows all the Beatles songs, then he's a better musician than he is because he's really put the work in. Yeah. Okay, if you want to explain that away, he's in a Beatles cover band, and then he's trying to pepper in his songs, and then they never catch on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's just all these little logistical things in it that were driving me crazy where I couldn't really enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I think I enjoyed it more than you did. Yeah. But just from a early on, my brain just checked out and was like, this is harmless fun. Yeah. And I just watched it in that weird stupor that you watch an average, a completely average movie in. Yeah. Where you're just like, I I don't really have expectations here. I didn't care if this was good or bad. Yeah. So it's mildly entertaining me and I'm good with that. I've got veggie straws and a Coke. <laughs> mm. I, that's where I was while watching it. And yeah. it's one of those things where like I'm in the shower thinking about it again. And yeah. it's just like, this is, yeah. It's all the things that bother me about this. Even when I was agreeing with you, I was way more worked up about it than yeah. I was at any point watching well, the movie. Because exactly. watching the movie, I, I took note of that, but I was just like, eh, me too. whatever. That's but where I then was. then as soon as yeah. I heard you saying, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's tie it up and kill it. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was the entire time watching it. It was just yeah. like like taking note of these things. And then, uh, and I, it was one of those where I was almost completely forgettable until then I'm trying to think about it to do this. But one other thing is it's directed by Danny Boyle mm-hmm. and it totally didn't feel like a Danny Boyle film. No. Um, it totally felt like a Richard Curtis film. Ah, uh, that's interesting. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Yeah. It totally felt like I uh, love actually, yeah. or about time or. Uh, I like hmm. like his, my favorite movie is his Pirate Radio. I like I like his. Film. I forgot he did that. I yeah. love Pirate Radio. Yeah. I have that. Huh. Yeah, I haven't watched that in forever. Well, I guess that's more grounded too because it's not like like uh, when it's about time and this. They have like, these big concepts behind them. I don't know. Yeah. That it was good. Be, it was a good yeah. cast. It was a fun cast. Yeah, I enjoyed the cast more than the script. Mm-hmm. I just I always I I felt like it was a very. You would call it kind of a mental exercise, and that's that's what it felt like. It felt like something that you just have this idea: what would happen if somebody had Beatles songs and the Beatles had never existed? And you did a quick pass of it. Here's what I do with that story, and then you did nothing more than that. Yeah, it didn't really feel fleshed out. My other thing was, I think it would have been way more maybe interesting and fun if, and this would play into what you said, and I was thinking about this. Um, 
if he starts playing the Beatles songs, but he still doesn't catch on. Yeah. And he's and maybe he starts getting a little bit of success and it it pushes him more towards appreciating this girl that's with him, who's been his manager, has been with him his entire life. Um, and it, but it will also play into that whole idea of like, this is not the time for this music. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's not going to work. That, mu- that I don't think that music would hit, especially no. if he's performing it, because a lot of it has to do with that group of guys, like their personalities and their relationships and the way and that they are. it's happening during British invasion. It's yep. happening during this very specific time in history. And the way that they performed it, like it's their personalities. Like there's a lot of that behind. Like, I don't know if any of those songs would work as well if um, John Lennon and. I thought it would have worked much better. And this is convoluted. I can't wrap my head around how to do it, but it would have worked much better as a time travel thing. Yeah. Where if he had been flung back in time and accidentally killed Paul McCartney and <laughs> took Paul McCartney's <laughs> right, right. place, uh-huh. and he's trying to do the same thing, but realizing it doesn't work out. Kind of back to the future. Yeah, yeah. back to the future ish, but darker. But right. that I would have been fully on board with. That would have felt like a, a more. Uh, fun idea because then you've got this artist in the exact same time yeah. with the exact same opportunities and it's not working for him or it's not this or it's not that or it's different and and he's struggling with who he is because of that. That would have been really uh, Also, yeah, he takes Paul McCartney's spot and but you know the history of John Lennon. Right. So you're trying to alternate alternate like the path of his life yep. so he doesn't end up in the spot where he gets killed. And you want to do the same music, but you want to keep the Beatles together. And you yes. want to, but you don't want to get it to the point that, that uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the music is important, but you're also like, you're trying to save your now friend yeah. and alter, like change history a little bit. Yeah. Um, my only moment that I actually really enjoyed was when he goes and vis- visits John Lennon. Yeah, yeah. And sees that he's just this happy artist who is living on the shore, and uh, I I thought that was a really beautiful little moment. I wish there was some other yeah. element of that throughout. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's complete. It's like it's not one where you have to pick it apart like I'm doing. No. It's a completely forgettable, just yeah. enjoyable love story with a good cast. Um, but it's just one of those where you start thinking about it a little too much, and it's just kind yeah. of. I don't know. Which is a curse for me because anytime yeah. it's alternate reality or time travel, it doesn't matter how harmless it is. I yeah. immediately start thinking through the logic of it and the implications of everything. And I just, I can't help it. Right. That's about time was one where it really, it's got a time travel element to it, but I loved how it was playing with it. It was something I hadn't seen done before and right. it had this emotional core and it was just really, um, it was really well done, mm-hmm. uh, and this definitely wasn't that. No, and, and yeah, I mean, it didn't feel like a Danny Boyle film. No, no. Like besides, I think he's done a lot with that, like text stuff. Where it's yeah, that's just, the only thing that I, really. I feel like Danny Boyle films have an edge to them. Yeah, and this had no edge. And almost like whatsoever. it was done for a favor. Yeah, or something, or like they have a friendship, and he or he just needed to film a couple of films with more edge, and so this was his yeah kind of popcorn flick to make Maybe. some money. Or I don't, it was weird. Yeah, I don't know. I would have, I would have never watching this place Danny. I knew it going in, but I would right. never placed his name to it if I no. hadn't known. I've yeah. never been like, you know, this might be Danny Boyle. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, have guessed that at all. Yeah. Okay. You have so, any thoughts on it? Other thoughts? No. No. <laughs> It was no, it it just I like I said I walked away from it and I was just like, all right, that was that was a movie, yeah, it was, you know, it was all right, mm-hmm. it was good. I I didn't look into it much. Was he actually singing and stuff in it? I don't know because it. I mean, it didn't feel lip sync. Yeah, it didn't. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I didn't. I, I and that was the thing before this movie. Before I watched this movie, I had a hard time remembering it existed. <laughs> After watching this movie, I still have a hard time remembering it existed. Even before yeah. we got together to record this, uh, I had watched it a week and a half ago because I thought we were going to record last week. Yeah. And I even had to text you. I'm like, what was the second movie <laughs> that we reviewed? And you're like, yesterday. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that movie that I always forget exists. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever would have watched it if it wasn't up on HBO because it just, it's one of those movies where you just kind of fly by it and then, but 
I think maybe because I knew it was Danny Boyle, I had a little bit more interest, but it didn't benefit from that in any way. It's definitely, first and foremost, a romantic comedy. Yeah. And, you know, if you kind of like generic romantic comedies, go for it. You'll love it. You've yeah. probably already watched it. We're mm-hmm. so late to the table in this that I'm sure it's much better. I mean, I, I liked their chemistry. I thought they were pretty yeah. good together. Um, I I bought that. I, I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> I know it was done probably for just the drama of it, but I don't understand why they weren't together. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And yeah. all of these movies come down to main character A lies to main character B. Yeah. Main character B finds out, has a crisis of relationship. They nearly come apart. And then main character A learns enough about life mm. to win back main character B, even right. though he lied over tremendous things. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the speed with which I just riled that mm-hmm. off from the top of my head tells you how much of a cliche it is. <laughs> so our, uh, our third movie is definitely, uh, you know, I don't know what I want to say. It's definitely the most of these three, but it definitely is the most of the three movies we watched this week. Just maybe the most. <laughs> it's the most. It's the most. <laughs> like that, what, it's extra? It's, it's, yeah, extra. it's whatever it is compared to whatever the other two movies are, it is the most of what mm-hmm. it is. And it's Tammy and the T-Rex. Yes. And Tammy and the T-Rex is a nice little hour, 22-minute flick. Mm-hmm. It follows a teen... Uh, played by Denise Richards, who learns that a scientist uh, miscast wildly as Paul Walker. Uh, this teen realizes the scientist implanted her dead boyfriend's brain into an animatronic dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Let me read that again. Yes. A teen learns that a scientist implanted her dead boyfriend's brain into an animatronic dinosaur. <laughs> Clint, what did you think of Tammy and the T-Rex? I had a really good time with Tammy and the so T-Rex. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so over the top. And like this, okay, I'm going to get to, I have a little, like a little bit of a quote thing from the director. I don't know if you read on Wikipedia. No, I didn't. But this is what Velocipaster should have been. Like not this whole entire story, but this is what a thing like tone the a tone and you work with what you have. Okay, so I'm going to start this off. I'll just go ahead and say it, re- read this. So, well, I won't read all of it. So the basic setup for the how this came to be was the director met this guy who had a, um, I think he in South America had like a, I don't know if it was a film studio. What was it? Anyway, uh, South America, he had a, he met this guy, he had an animatronic dinosaur and he was getting it shipped to, uh, it was getting shipped to South America. No, Texas. Sorry. And he, Texas is a part of South America. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Texas. (laughs) Technically you are in South America. You're close. You're the South part of America. Yeah, but not. That's (laughs) Anyway, so this guy had this animatronic uh, dinosaur and he was going to get it shipped out. And he's like, I I have this for another month. Um, Let's do something with it. And the the director, um, Stuart Raphael, he uh, was like, what do you want to do with it? He's like, let's make a film. And he's like, I have it for a month. And he's like, okay. And so he writes the script in a week. So they have this. So he writes it just around the fact that they have this dinosaur. And so this is one of the best quotes that I have seen in a while. Uh, I was just trying to do a film (laughs) for people who like wacky movies. In other words, you laugh at the experience that I was facing with it, which is what the hell are you meant to do with with this material? I'm sticking all this shit in it (laughs) just to make it work. Of course, when you only have a week to make the script, it's a bit thin. I'm also the biggest plagiarist. I'm constantly asking the cast and crew if they have any better ideas. (laughs) (laughs) So he has this dinosaur and he's just like, Let's do something with it. Okay. How often do you have an animatronic dinosaur? I would do the exact same thing. I know. It was just like... But the movie feels that way. It doesn't feel like it's important. It doesn't feel like it's attempting to be uh, something more than it is. It it feels like a, let's have fun with an animatronic dinosaur. And who cares what we come up with? Yeah. Let's just build a plot around this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, going into it, I thought it was an actual T-Rex. 
I thought it was going to be a uh, like a you know out of time thing or an unfrozen yeah. or whatever it was. And I so loved how ridiculous it was. Mm-hmm. The dead boyfriend angle in his brain yeah. uh, is genius. <laughs> and actually, once that thing gets in the dinosaur, and so the way it plays with how the dinosaur is reacting to her and how she's reacting to it. Yeah, communicating. Oh, it just, <laughs> that stuff, I found myself low-level giggling into yeah. fits of laughter. I know. Because I wasn't just laughing at what was on screen. I was laughing at the audacity <laughs> Of where they had gone with it. And I was just imagining the entire crew behind the camera. Yeah. Like holding back laughter while they were watching what they were putting together. Mm -hmm. It's like every person involved was just having a really good time. And And you can feel that energy. Right. Like every actor is just hamming it up completely. Like the henchmen to the scientists are just like, this is ridiculous. We're going to just be ridiculous. And and it totally works. And uh well, and that's why I said about Paul Walker being miscast. That's the point. Yeah. It's it's not – you're not trying to sell an actual scientist on camera here. You're just like, oh, well, here's this kid, mm-hmm. Paul Walker. Let's – he's a scientist. Cool. It makes total sense. It just goes along with everything else in the movie. Paul Walker is not a scientist. What? Paul Walker is not the scientist. What do you mean Paul Walker is not the scientist? Paul Walker is the dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. What are, you, what are you saying Paul Walker is the scientist? I'm not saying Paul Walker is the scientist. <laughs> I'm saying Paul Walker is the one that's put into the dinosaur oh, okay. by the scientist. Okay. I don't know. I'm super tired. I know. I'm <laughs> just like... Oh. No, I'm talking about Paul Walker as the... Yeah. Anyway. I gotcha. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm glad your eyes are open at least. They are open. <laughs> They're watery. I'm dying here, but you know, whatever. No, it's fine. Uh, but I, I actually like Paul Walker a lot in this. He's yeah. like, I don't know. He's just, I mean, for the amount he's in it, but just he's, <laughs> there's like this sweetness to his like little baby face. <laughs> little dopey. Yeah. yeah. He's just grinning the entire time. And uh, <laughs> I love <laughs> how he gets into the dinosaur with like what, how he gets injured. Yeah. He gets mauled by lions, <laughs> which totally doesn't make sense at all <laughs> because he's not even injured from it and he's in a coma. <laughs> he's in a coma from getting mauled by ti- lions and tigers. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the scientist played by Terry Kaiser. Uh huh. That's where I was thinking. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's hamming it up. Oh, right. Completely. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it shouldn't work. It really no. shouldn't work. Yeah. It shouldn't work in any way. Nothing about this movie should work. Mm-mm. And yet it's so tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's just a blast. It's like the perfect like cult movie. Like it's, I don't know how I hadn't ever heard of it. Like, was it buried in some way or something? Like, I don't know. I, I had never heard of it. I hadn't either until recently, I guess. Like, I think it's kind of popped up up on like shutter and stuff and yeah. um he, this director i was looking through his filmography and he did that mac and me movie oh really yeah so oh, that's so terrible so th- i know it's terrible and i re- it's I only just, good for the running paul uh what's his name paul rudd joke yeah O'Brien. i well i just recently what? watched um maybe like last year watched that because mystery science theater did it yeah and even outside of that scene, it's completely ridiculous, but like it's fun in a re- really ridiculous way. And I wonder how much of just that's his whole thing. It's just like, we're going to make this thing. Yeah. Like he, I don't know, I haven't really read into the history of that film, but so yeah. I don't know the <laughs> ins and outs, but yeah. I, I was dreading it the whole time it, it had come <laughs> up and I was really expecting another Velocipaster, other than the fact that the old, very old trailer suggested there was a little bit more fun there Mm -hmm. uh did you watch the trailer for it on amazon yeah 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 i did um Um, but no it was it was well worth the time it it definitely gave me a laugh it was not heavy in any way no it's the perfect movie for this time it did feel to me a little like in the last in the last couple of minutes they weren't sure quite where to end it right uh but it was kind of charming. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't bother me at all. Uh, it just felt like, well, uh, sure, well, let's wrap it up. <laughs> we'll, we'll do this with it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, would, I would love to see kind of cutting room floor what was cut out of the movie. Mm-hmm. I would love to see all of the little 
bits that were just like it was funny to them but then in the edit they realized like this doesn't work yeah there's so many goofs in it too and i'm not usually one that's good at picking up on them but there's just like so many hands in places and booms in places and this is what velocipaster was going for yeah and they they missed the mark by a mile. But Velocipaster in those moments was trying to manufacture those right. things. Right, and that's what I mean. It can't. never feels like it's manufacturing. No, it. no. This feels like it's capturing it on the fly. Right. It almost feels like you're there with the crew yeah. making this wild film. I know. You get that sense of, I'm right behind the camera and right. I'm a part of this. Yeah, that's what I meant. They were trying to like replicate yeah. this film, which this just feels so natural and... Yeah. Um, just like we are using every scrap of film we have to like we can't we don't have another shot of them doing this we have to see the car going across like the the camera going across the car and seeing its reflection it's like we can't do anything about it okay that's it yeah yeah Yeah. it it doesn't yeah it almost makes you aware of the process in a really fun way yeah like like you said like it makes you a part of the the creation of it And uh, <laughs> somehow it benefits from it. Yeah. It, it just it kind of makes me sad that this isn't something I had ever heard of uh, because it really seems like something I should have grabbed off the shelf at Blockbuster. This came yeah. out the year I started driving. Yeah. I, this should have been, you know, Blockbuster was my best friend. Mm-hmm. This should have been one of my in-rotation movies mm-hmm. every time we went over to John's or something. I know. I feel like we would have watched this like oh, once yeah. a week. Oh, yeah. But I don't even – I went and looked at the old VHS cover art and stuff like that. I don't even remember seeing this movie hmm. on a shelf. I don't remember it existing at all. It almost feels like some elaborate conspiracy theory, like they had somehow made it in 2005 and just said it released in 1994 right. or something. But but clearly not. Right, because, I mean, it has these actors at oh, this yeah. age in their and life. very clearly young right. mm-hmm. versions of these actors. I had no idea that Denise Richards was in it. That yeah. was a surprise. Uh, and they're just there. There are different things that pop up. You're just like, oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was just like one of those things where it was just kind of buried. It just like because what didn't do well, or it was direct I mean, to video. All it would take in that era is that if if they didn't have a blockbuster deal, if they weren't on shelves, if they weren't getting the movie on kind of your large rental retailers. Mm-hmm. I could see this getting really quickly lost in the shuffle where it just, you know, a little local store gets maybe one copy. Yeah. And it just ends up on the bottom shelf and, you know, barely gets any play. Right. And it's pre-internet uh, for the most part. I mean, the internet was around, but not to the degree that that it, you know, would get there. Mm-hmm. I would love to know if, if there were uh, different magazines that, that covered it in any way at right. the time. It's, it's probably not horror enough for Fangoria or some of those others, but... I would love to know if it got any sort of... I wonder in this time, though, like, were were movies that were so bad they're good appreciated as much? I don't think so, especially direct-to-video ones. I I don't think... There were a couple that would get some attention, and early internet, they would would get a lot of buzz. Uh, Troll 2 was Mm -hmm. one of those that seemed to really get some legs under it. But that was something where... At least from what I remember, when I would read about it and things, that was something where in California and places like that, they would put it into circulation at, at film festivals and stuff uh, for a laugh. Yeah. And it just developed this crowd right. around it. And I couldn't find anything. Maybe it happened with this one, but I couldn't find anything about Tammy and the T-Rex where it had that kind of groundswell yeah. of, of the everyday people who just found it and right. loved it. and you know, couldn't get enough of it. Right. Maybe it was just one of those things that was just kind of time forgot it and moved and it, on. And It depends when it came out. Right. It depends how it came out. Mm-hmm. depends what was happening in 94 when it came out. Did it hit the shelf at the same time that some other movie was really just dominating everybody's attention? Right. Uh, because back then, it just things were so quickly forgotten mm-hmm. if they didn't if they didn't kind of catch fire or catch attention. They right. Just, they sort of faded and... You forgot that they ever were. Right. It's kind of maybe it was like along the lines of like the trauma films yeah. where they're just like they were made so quickly. Like this one was made quickly and they're just kind of disposable maybe, in a way. Even the trauma films had that trauma label. Right. And so that carried a lot of weight at the time. And yeah. And this one just between distributor and timing and it just it sort of it just it didn't last. It didn't. Yeah. And maybe there's this huge underground following I've just never been able to be a part of. Who knows? Maybe. Not cool enough. I I guess not. 
but I wish I was. I wish I had found this <laughs> 20 years ago. I know. Uh, I would have. I would definitely watch it quite a few times. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it again. I know I will. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it it was the exact kind of like candy that I needed. Yeah. Uh, this last month because we've talked about how there are different movies where it's just any other time they would be so much more. Uh, whatever the word is, but because of how heavy they are in this time that's very heavy, it's just hard to watch them. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not that. No. This is this is fluff. Yeah. The best kind of fluff. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I was glad I watched it. It was the perfect one after Velocipaster. Yeah. Where that one made me mad yeah. at just the, even the art of film in some way. This made, gave me more like, like hope and yeah. like, a faith in it. It's just yeah. like something good can come out of a similar process to Velocipaster. Like I'm sure there was this wasn't made for much more than that film was made. This also feels like a movie that if anybody sat there and legitimately tore apart, the director would nod his head and be like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> you know what I mean? There was exactly there like wasn't that the, sense of right. I mean, he clearly said it there. It's like, yeah, I'm just making this stuff to for people who like this, and uh, I have this T Rex. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to work with the T-Rex. And that that's like also to uh, the point you made about it being animatronic. Like they never shied away from it yeah. being animatronic. It's not somebody finding a dinosaur egg. It's not somebody right. unthawing a dinosaur. It's not somebody uh, genetically. It's it's so somehow so much more. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just so much more ridiculous than everything your brain could think of. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the dead boyfriend angle <laughs> is just... Man, right. That just is pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. I know. It made me so happy. I know. Because that's the whole thing is like working, going back to the Velocipaster again, working with what you have. Yeah. Like, this clearly is not going to pass as a real dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. It is a robot dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then how is it there. getting controlled? Okay. Well, this boyfriend dies and we're going to stick his brain in it. Okay. there's okay. a ma- Now there's a mad scientist who did this. You can see like yeah. the thought process. Of how it was constructed, and it's so much fun in it. Like in to deconstruct that process, and while watching a film that is kind of de- deconstructing itself, because yeah. you can see all the moving strings, yeah. is really fun. And it's just heading off every criticism at the past, right? Not because it's trying to avoid criticism, but just because they've put enough thought into what they're doing that it. It deflates any right. kind of argument or case you would put against it. Yeah, you might not enjoy it. That's fine. This yeah. is not a movie for everybody. No. Uh, but you can't sit there and say, well, they were trying to do something that they didn't pull off. No, they pull off exactly what they're going for. Yeah. And it's really just whether you respond to it or not. But it's it. there's nothing here where you can point to and say, ah, they failed at what they set out to do. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> this is exactly what they set out yeah. to do. Like, uh, this thing's ridiculous, so, okay, let's go down that path. Like, yep. okay, it gets more, it's just going to get, like, a snowball of ridiculous. Yeah. I had the whole time, and they're not they're not similar in tone, but I had a reanimator vibe yeah. the whole time. Right. Because that movie feels the exact same yeah. way, where it just feels like we've got Jeffrey Combs, and we've got this idea, and let's just play with it. Mm-hmm. And we're not going for top-tier horror. We're going for what we can do, and we're going for some fun. Right. And if people laugh and jump and giggle mission accomplished Mm -hmm. um and i got that same vibe the whole time with this yeah me too and it was far better than do you remember Whoopi goldberg had a movie where she teamed up with the t-rex and they were (laughs) cops or something do you remember i remember like the cover yeah i went i I went briefly looking for it i didn't find it within 27 seconds and gave up because I think in my mind, the mental image is much better than whatever I was going to find. So I, I didn't want to actually find. You don't want me to hunt it down and put it on the wheel? <laughs> I mean, you can, but I, I'm pretty sure it's yeah. it's not going to. Right. I can't imagine it. <laughs> no. And maybe okay. you'll find out that it came out in 1994. Maybe that's what killed Tammy the T-Rex is Whoopi Goldberg, because that would have been. What if this was supposed to be a ripoff of that? Like Mac and me is a ripoff of uh, E.T.? Oh, I see what you're doing there. Yeah. So he Maybe. just makes these ripoff films. <laughs> like, you know how they do like the um, yeah. like the Lord of the Rings ripoff ones that come out like a month before? Yep. Something like that. I'd be good with it. I don't know. <laughs> it would give me at least some appreciation of Mac and me. I That movie is 
Well, that definitely is. Simul- I know. It's just simultaneously yeah. terrifying and... Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm actually currently Googling. Oh, yep. It's Theodore Rex. And uh, <laughs> yeah. look, at, look at that, Jim. That's what it's I remember. Goldberg. Is, yep. And it's the same uh, animatronic uh, puppetry guys who did the dinosaur, dinosaur show. show. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And it's the world's toughest cop is getting a brand new partner, and he's a real blast from the past. Theodore Rex. It looks awful. Anywho. <laughs> Was that around the same? It came out in 1995. Oh. Huh. That's a rip off of this then. That's a rip off of this. Somebody was like, we can do that. Was this the same like time period as like um, the um, Mario Brothers movie? Probably. I don't remember when Mario Brothers. such a look to all those Oh yeah, no. It's that, It's it seems like whoever designed the dinosaur mm-hmm. was really in demand at the time because yeah. it's that same face. Right. Yeah, Mario Brothers was 93 with the Koopas. Uh-huh. And uh, 94 was Tammy and the T-Rex, and then 95 was Theodore Rex. Mm-hmm. This is not the conversation I expected to have <laughs> about this movie, but this has really turned into a deep dive on Google. Man, Super Mario Brothers. That's such a terrible movie. I even remember watching it as a kid and being disappointed. I think I enjoyed it as a kid. They had the little shrunken head Koopas on the big bodies. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I don't know. You were much younger than me when that yeah. came out, so you probably I had were no, at the right age for right. it. I was not at the right age. Yeah. I was just going into high school. I'm like, this is not film. Oh, right. Yeah. I had... So, you know. Hidden Life, definitely check it out. Good stuff. Uh, yesterday, whatever. Harmless. You'll forget about it as soon as we're done talking. It'll and, be yesterday. Uh, it will be. Yesterday's Tammy and the news. T-Rex. Uh, I'm just going to say it's better than Theodore Rex, because why not? It's definitely better than Mario Brothers. And uh, it's it's, it's worth Lost checking Pastor. out. It's way better than Lost Pastor. Yeah. All right, you ready to spin Cinetron? Let's spin it. Let's spin it. Let's spin it, Ken. I'm like, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm not I'm ready. Bleary-eyed, can't feel my face. Bleary. Oh man, I I have felt myself descending into uh, sleep this entire podcast. I think when you listen back to it. <laughs> You're going to hear it because I go from a hidden life where I'm just like, oh, I, I know exactly what I'm thinking to I could feel Tammy and the T-Rex. I'm just like, thoughts are gone. <laughs> there are no English words left in my brain. The well is dry. <laughs> Cinetron. Cinetron. We're alone now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. That's that. Uh, it's on Hulu, right? Peter Dinklage one? Yeah, it's Peter Dinklage and Elle Fanning. And uh, it looks good. It's it's like some weird apocalyptic thing where uh, there's a man, Peter Dinklage, who... There's a man. There's a man who thinks that no one is left in the world. And then he runs across this girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had been surviving and actually kind of happy the way he was surviving. But now here's this complication, this other human being. I'd actually, now that I'm describing it, it sounds like a really serious version of Last Man on Earth. Yeah. It uh, sounds like you already watched it. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm reading the description oh, okay. right here. I typed it in. I'm like, oh, Dell uh, is alone in this world. Adele. But no, I have definitely not watched okay, it. Okay, cool. But I want to. Yeah. It's in my queue. I think it's, yeah. It. Peter Dinklage. So. I, he's great. Yeah. I always enjoy him. I actually, one of the downsides of him being in Game of Thrones is that he stopped making a lot of movies. Right. Uh, because before that, I, I think the first time I saw him was in Station Agent. Uh-huh. Um, did you ever see it? I don't know if it's I've ever seen great. it. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think what else I saw him in. In Bruges? Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. He's I forgot great about that. in that. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, this does not disappoint me. <laughs> like so many things. Well, so many things. So many things 
uh, you know, it's not like there's anything in the world to be disappointed by right now. So it's okay. It's mm-hmm. all good. Well, I'm heading back out into that world, unfortunately. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, is everybody coming back to work with you or is it just yeah. a couple of people? They're packing everybody in there? Yeah. Well, we're, we're a very small business. Oh, so I thought only... you had a bunch of people. Nah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we we should be distanced well enough. Yeah. Are you having to wear face masks and all that kind of stuff? They have. I don't know. They haven't said anything, but I probably will anyway. All right. Yeah. Sounds fun. So I can keep. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah, great. Sounds great. All right. Well, hope it goes well for you. Thanks. Stay safe. Thank stay you. healthy. Hey, everybody else should stay safe and stay healthy too. I feel like I've said that before. Stay healthy. We've been ending it this stay that way healthy. for a while. Stay safe. <laughs> stay healthy. <laughs> stay healthy. <laughs> Get sleep, kids. I need it. All right. Uh, this has been episode 26 of Cinebabble. I uh, hope you've enjoyed our uh, our ramblings. And mm. we will see you again hopefully next week, as long as the world doesn't come crashing down around us. Well, again. It, it, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye.